Hello, everyone, and welcome to Grandpa's Tales of Terror. Let's continue and find out what Detective McAfee is learning about his case as we continue the Pinata Man. Now close your eyes and let your imagination carry you into a world of fear and horror. <laughs> After telling David that the hair and fingernails matched the DNA of the hair sample taken from a hairbrush that he found in his ex's apartment, Detective McAfee drove back to his station. Looking at everything again, there still wasn't any leads to point him in what direction to go. Whoever put the body parts in the pinatas did so, without leaving any trace that could identify them. There were no fingerprints, clothing fibers, or DNA that didn't belong to the victims. He knew the newspapers were going to get a hold of these events eventually. As of now, there hasn't been a murder because no bodies have been found. Two pinatas in two weeks. He did check to see if other cities or states had something similar, but no one did. These two cases were completely new. Getting up from his desk, he was about to go to the lunchroom and refill his coffee cup when his desk phone rang. Picking up the phone, Hello, was Dispatch, who had been trying to get a hold of him for the last several minutes. Hanging up, he grabbed his jacket and left to go to Mercy Hospital. Arriving at the hospital, he showed his badge and asked to speak to the doctor who had been trying to get a hold of him. Dr. Francis showed up, and after exchanging pleasantries, he told McAfee why he wanted to see and talk to him. Both men walked down the hospital corridor into a private room. After drawing back the curtains, lying there, covered in bandages, was Michael Livingston. Dr. Francis told McAfee that Bertrand, from the medical examiner's office, was a friend of his. They had discussed what was going on with the pinatas, so when Michael walked into the hospital, Dr. Francis thought this should be kept quiet until Detective McAfee had been notified. McAfee and Michael had said anything, to which the doctor shook his head. Michael was in shock and had been sedated to help him sleep and so that hospital staff could bandage and treat him for his missing appendages. McAfee asked the doctor to contact him when Michael was conscious and able to talk. Sandra Haller, just getting home from work, was trying to unlock her apartment door. She dropped her keys and then the paper bag of groceries ripped open the contents on the floor. The door to her apartment opened and standing there was her seven-year-old daughter with her grandmother behind her. Picking everything up, Sandra entered the apartment and put everything on the kitchen counter. Sandra asked how the day went. Her daughter was very excited and was pulling on her mother's arm to bring her into the living room. Sandra, giving in, followed her daughter and saw a pinata on the coffee table. Sandra's mom said that someone had knocked on the door and when she went to answer, no one was there except the pinata. Sandra's daughter was asking if they could open it. Sandra looked at the tag that was attached and her name and address were on it. She placed her ear on the pinata, listening to see if it was ticking. 
or any noises coming from it. She picked it up and shook it and definitely could hear things rattling around inside. Her daughter asked again if they could open it. Sandra looked at her and said that they didn't have a place to hang it, so would it be okay just to cut it open? The daughter looked at her and said, of course. Going back to the kitchen to get a knife, Sandra came back and proceeded to cut a section of the piñata out. Picking it up and tipping it over, candy, chocolate, and a few small toys came out. Sandra's daughter was excited. The grandmother came up and stood beside Sandra and said she hadn't seen such a big smile on her granddaughter's face in such a long time. A tear rolled down Sandra's cheek as she nodded in agreement. After emptying the piñata of its goods, Sandra took the piñata and threw it into a large outside garbage bin. She thought it was odd that the piñata still had some weight to it after emptying it. Regardless, she tossed it into the bin and forgot about it. The next day, someone who was looking in the garbage bin for aluminum cans or other pieces of metal that could be recycled for cash came across the piñata. He tried picking it up, but then had to give it a tug due to a large nail from a 2 by 4 that had pierced the bottom. After pulling the piñata off the nail, he noticed the bottom was dripping something red in color. Opening the bottom, two Ziploc bags fell out. Picking up one of the bags, he could see that inside one of them was a human hand. He dropped the bag and he immediately climbed out of the bin. Police tape had been put up around the parking lot where the bin was. For now, it was a crime scene. McAfee was looking around the area of the bin while other officers were going through the contents of the bin looking for evidence. Someone called out to the detective that they found something. McAfee was handed an evidence bag with the tag from the piñata with Sandra's name and address on it. Knocking on the apartment door, Sandra opened it and standing there was Detective McAfee. Showing his badge and identifying himself, McAfee showed the tag that was on the piñata and asked if he could come in and ask a few questions. She said, of course, and the two of them went and sat at the kitchen table. So this tag was found in the bin, which we believe was attached to the piñata. Yes, it was. I saw all the police cars and them searching the bin. Did I do something wrong? Not at all, Mrs. Holler. We would just like to know more about the piñata. When was it delivered? Yesterday. I was at work and my mother was looking after my daughter. She told me that someone had knocked at the apartment door. When she opened it, no one was there. The piñata was on the floor. My mother brought it in and put it on the coffee table. Do you know who sent it? I have no idea. So, what happened after that? He cut it open, dumped out the contents, and then I threw it into the garbage bin. When you emptied the piñata, what did you find? Chocolate, other candies, and some small toys. Nothing else? No. McAfee paused for a moment and then asked, Did you happen to have been in court for some reason recently? Yes, I was. How did you know? Just the question. If you don't mind telling me, what were you in court for? 
I'm getting a divorce from my husband. I see. It's something I should have done a long time ago. I just couldn't take any more what my daughter's stepfather was doing. If you don't mind me asking, what was he doing? It was the way he kept looking at her. She's only seven, and it was very unnerving. I also didn't like the way he would hug and hold her. Did your daughter's biological father know about this? Oh no. He passed soon after she was born from cancer. My condolences. Do you happen to have a picture of your ex-husband to be? Sandra got up, went to the living room, and brought back a framed picture of her and the stepfather. You can take this. I was going to throw it out anyway. And what is his name? Robert. Robert Neal. McAfee got up from the table, thanked her, and told her that he might have some other questions and if it would be okay to contact her again. Sandra replied, of course. McAfee sat in his car and thought about the conversation he had with Sandra. Thinking to himself, there definitely was a pattern that was happening. In all three cases, all the victims and who the piñatas were delivered to had gone to court prior to the piñatas being delivered. He didn't mention what they found this time in the piñata, but with what Sandra had told him regarding the suspicions about the stepfather and her daughter, with the hugging and the way he looked at the daughter, whoever was doing this knew somehow, for in the piñata, most likely, were the hands and eyes of the stepfather and ex-husband to be. He was going to have to talk to David O'Brien and Pamela Livingston again. As he started his car over the radio, dispatch asked McCaffey, him to call Dr. Call Francis, Francis at Mercy, Mercy Hospital, Hospital immediately. Calling right away, Dr. Francis told him David O'Brien's ex-common-law spouse just walked into the hospital.